The first thing I want to do is establish the fact that it's okay if you're not okay. Like, it is totally okay. It's actually kind of awesome because then you get to depend on God in a very raw, vulnerable place. And you guys starting out with me in spring, it's a, I mean, typically you go from winter to spring. But I mean, there's all kinds of ways. But I mean, obviously there's a typical calendar year as the sun, as the earth travels around the sun. And that's why we, it kind of goes in that order, right? So you have spring and then you have summer and then you have fall and then you have winter. And then after winter, you come back into spring. So I just wanted to establish that like, if you are in winter right now, or you're in fall and like the leaves and things in your life are changing color and dying, like you're okay. And if you're in winter and it's cold and you're isolated and you're lonely and you feel completely estranged from all things known and loved, you're okay. It's okay to not be okay. Um, In the seasons that we go through, in this, Seasons of our soul, which I feel like that's what these seasons that we get to talk about today, the two workshops now and then in the evening, it's like seasons of the soul. So we've been talking a lot about like life seasons, and now it's more like your soul and where your soul's at. So I want to share with you a little bit about where my soul is. Um, Me personally, I am definitely in spring right now, and it's awesome. And when those frosts come, I freak out. So... For me, for my, for my journey through winter, I'm going to give you the Reader's Digest version. Um, we felt a call on our life to adopt, and we were obedient, and it was crazy, and it was hard, and it was insane, and I had no idea how we were even going to have the money, or how it was even going to happen, or how it was going to work, and I knew that God was calling to us, calling us to this, and Jeff knew that God was calling us to this, and then we brought them home, and... It was insane, and it was hard. And for those of you that don't know this story, the the shorter version is that um, we adopted twins from Democratic Republic of the Congo, and um, they were pretty traumatized. So by the time we actually brought them home, they were two years old, and they had um, PTSD, uh, attachment issues, a whole snowball of things that kind of unraveled as we went. So through the grace of God and through great wisdom and direction, we were guided to attachment therapy. And what that means is that I literally wore them in those ergo baby packs, like one on each side at the same time for six to eight hours a day for about six months. Um, And it cut me off from everything. And I can honestly say I've never in my life felt so alone. Um... I've never felt so depleted, so empty. Um, We had a four and a five-year-old as well, our two biological kids, Caleb and Samaria, who are phenomenal rock stars. And with packing Olivier and Isabel, um, I just poured myself out, and that was all I had. I didn't have anything left over for Jeff. I didn't have anything left over for Caleb and Samaria. I didn't have anything left for friends. I literally just was a packing person. I called it, I called myself a double stuffed Oreo because chocolate, double stuffed vanilla and chocolate on the back. (laughs) So next time you eat a double stuffed Oreo, be like, this one's for Kara Brown. (laughs) Hashtag Oreo. Yep. Mm -hmm. You can, you guys can do that. You're, you're welcome. You're invited. Um, So all that established to say, um, it's really hard to talk about spring without addressing winter. 
it's hard to talk about spring without realizing you've come out of winter. Um, and so for me, I'm definitely in a spring place. I am in a place where um, there is new life. Um, I'm in a place where when I go to bed at night, I'm not terrified to wake up in the morning. I'm in a place where I feel love. Um, I'm in a place where I don't feel alone. And it might be like, well, Carrie, you're so outgoing and kind of crazy, actually. So, or a lot crazy. Um, it surprises me that you would ever feel alone. Uh, it's true. Like, we all like we all feel alone at different times. If there's an, if somebody in here who's never felt alone in your life, please come reveal yourself to me after this. And I will kneel. Because <laughs> I respect you. <laughs> um, it's okay if you're not okay. And when you're coming out of winter into spring, there's, um, I grew up in central Washington, a little tidbit information about me. So a lot of my friends and their families were like cherry tree farmer, cherry tree farmer, apples, um, all kinds of produce, lots everywhere. And so um, you're coming out of winter and it's spring. And so it's like getting warmer and the ground is getting softer and the buds are blossoming and it's so great and wonderful. And then all of a sudden there's like this crazy freeze. Not that you being a farmer's wife could relate to this at all, Jennifer. But... What I've heard um, and, and what I would hear from my friends, like the frost would come and they'd be hauling out these big, huge propane heaters and taking them up and down the rows of the cherry trees and apple trees to make sure that that frost didn't kill all those buds. I don't know about you guys, but that happens um, in my life, in my seasons of the soul. So we're coming out, the girls are healing, we're finally able to have social interactions with people again without... I mean, it was just great. It was wonderful. I didn't go to church for like six months. Um, Christmas, Easter, like, I mean, and with my husband, like, leading worship, I wanted nothing more than to be there and support him. And yet, I knew that in this season of winter, like, my priority was the girls, and that's where I needed to be. So, like, I would get to go to church, and so there'd be, like, this little bud, and I'd be like, yeah, spring's coming. And then I'd go home, and they'd be crazy, like, for days, and just not sleeping, and just... And I'm like, oh, no. And I would just get so freaked out because I didn't want to go back into winter. Did that, did that really resonate at all? Like, you just don't want to go back. You're like, please, no, I don't want to go back. And so it's okay if that happens. It's okay. It's in nature as well, and it's in our seasons, in our soul, the seasons that happen where you come out of winter and you're like, yeah, spring. And then you're like, oh, a frost. Oh, no. And then it warms up again, and you're like, okay. You kind of take a little step forward, and you're like, all right, one more. And then the frost comes again. You're like, no, please, no, please, no. But that's just me. I don't know if that's anybody else. So um, it's hard for me to think about winter and spring and that transition without going back to the Israelites. I think about the Israelites a lot. There were two different times that they were exiled. So obviously, not obviously, at the end of Genesis, we end with about 70, Jacob and about 70 family and people uh, we open up Exodus 350 years later, and it's like a million people. Like they, the number is like 600,000 men, but that's obviously not the women and children. So 350 years at that point. That's just the beginning of Exodus, of slavery and bondage and winter, generations of winter. And then Moses comes into the picture and he hears from God and speaks to Pharaoh, and they kind of go through this whole thing. And then 
finally there's Passover. And this is something as I was preparing and, and reading more about spring and realizing that there, God is brilliant. I know we like know that, but like he's seriously brilliant. So if you think, so for Passover, and for those of you that are super uber trained in Jewish traditions, if I'm wrong, please tell me. I can totally handle criticism. And I want this to be the correct information. I'm pretty sure this is right. So spring, um, Passover, is actually the seven, there's seven days of spring equinox. Is that how you say it? Equinox, right? So that means there's seven days in a row where it's half a day of daytime and half is nighttime. So it's like 12 and 12. So you get 12 hours of sun, 12 hours of night, right? So it's like equal split. So there's seven days of those and then there's the full moon and that's Passover. That's new life. That's the beginning of the end of slavery and bondage. Spring. You cannot have new life without death. The cross. Perfect example. Jesus is a cute little baby that's born to a carpenter and does some really awesome miracles and then dies. Without the resurrection, it's, I'm sorry, but kind of not that big of a deal. Like the resurrection is where he is our savior. That is where he is eternal life, like new life right there. So without his death and resurrection, so there has to be death for there to be life. And I love that God is so creative and so on it that he tied Passover even into the, like, the literal spring of the year. Like this is new life. This is my promise to you. Spring is coming. And if you're in, in winter and you're getting those little bits of buds here and there, it's reminders of his promise and his goodness. And I think Jennifer did a great job this morning talking about the heart of the Father is good. He wants to remind you of his love. He wants to remind you of his presence. And this is, and then when you, we're going to jump back to the Israelites. So, so they have their, their freedom. They, um, there's Passover. And then finally Pharaoh's like, okay, forget it. So he lets the Israelites go. And then all of a sudden Pharaoh gets mad again and chases parting of the Red Sea. Then it closes up. And then, you know, the bad guys drown. And you're like, yeah, game over. (laughs) And then they wander for 40 years. (laughs) And there's still spring in the desert, you guys. Manna. There's just enough for every day. There's not these big, huge, um, what are those things called, Jennifer, that the grain goes in? Silos, thank you. Um, there weren't big giant silos like packed up and ready that they could look and see like that's where my food is coming from and like a really nice, you know, well with like some cool cups to drink water out of. It wasn't like that at all. It was literally just enough for every day. Like they go to sleep, they wake up, and there it is. Not in abundance, just enough to remind them I am your father and I love you and I'm here and you're not alone. And even though you're walking in the desert right now, I'm still with you. In Psalms, it talks about God catching our tears in a jar. And if you were at the gathering, I don't remember when, sometime last year I talked about this, but it really is a beautiful picture that I cling to that he has to be so awkwardly close to you to physically catch your tears in a jar. He's present with you in the desert. 
He's right there. So the Israelites, okay, so 40 days, uh, 40 days, <laughs> no, 40 years. So they come out of 40 years, and, and then they're in um, Jerusalem. They come to Canaan, you know, land of milk and honey. It's all good. Go to Jerusalem, build a temple. They're there for a while. And then King Nebuchadnezzar comes in, and they're in bondage again. The Babylonians take over, and they're like, what? Their temple is torn down. Some of the things from the temple where they in, interact and intercede and meet with God, that some of the things, the artifacts, the promises are taken out and then the building destroyed and then they're asked to leave their home, not asked, forced to leave their home. And now they're where? Basically in the desert again, in winter again. To the, I mean, it's just mind-boggling because I think for that poor... They're, just winter again, and yet he still proved himself. He still said, I am your father, and I am here, and I am with you, and I love you. And then the king of Persia comes in, and they're released, and they go back. When they go back to spring, Jerusalem, temple gone. There's a fraction of the people left, and that's spring. So there's still this tension of like, your winter, your spring, you're kind of back and forth. And I love the picture that God gives us of that. Like, he's not going to leave you. He is so close to you. And I love that spring. What are some of the pictures and some of the ideas that you guys get when you think about spring? What are the things that you like about spring? Like the actual season of the year? Flowers. Flowers. Yeah, cherry blossom trees, like the um, right in front of the Capitol. Like, who doesn't walk under that? It's so awesome. Don't you just get happy, too? Oh, I love it. Okay, what else? What else? The what? Baby lambs, yes. Smell of Daphne. Smell of Daphne. Is that the green one that has, like, the little... <laughs> okay, so for the record, my friend Sarah Birch just said, it's the flower that smells like Jesus. So you know what Jesus smells like. That's so awesome. Oh, pretty sure that's what Jesus smells like. Okay, okay, okay. I'm tracking now. Okay, if you had to guess what Jesus smelled like, that's what you would guess. It would smell. Yeah, she's pretty right. What are some other pictures of spring? The what? Longer days. Yes. Sunshine. Yes. As you like have this scarf all bundled up around you, you're like, I love sunshine. <laughs> the what? Yeah, bird singing. See, because I'm deaf, I don't hear the birds. Sorry. Tell me how great it is and I'll rejoice with you. Somebody had their hand up over here. Yeah? Oh. the fresh smell of like the rain and everything's clean. It's clean and new. I love that about spring. It's clean and new and fresh. And how many of you do spring cleaning? I, I mean, you, I love it. Like, love it. My husband and my children are like, oh no, here we go. It's at least two to three weeks long of like clearing everything out, like opening all the windows, everything, you know, even though it's still kind of cold. The kids wake up in the morning and they're like, mom, can we close the windows? <laughs> and I'm like, but it's fresh air. And they're like, in oh, footy jammies with like long johns underneath and a blanket around them. Sorry, mommy loves spring. You'll get warm soon. We'll be fine. 
I love spring. I love the, um, the babies. Like, not the, somebody said baby lambs, right? So, like, all the newness, the chicks and the baby bunnies. We have two bunnies, by the way. Side note, I'll come back, I promise. But we have two bunnies, Ben Kenobi, from what movie? Star Wars, thank you very much. Yes, my son named him. And Daisy, my daughter named her. And they're lion head bunnies, and they totally look like a bunny that stuck its little paw in a socket and got shocked. <laughs> like, they're just fluff balls, so they literally look like little mini lions, but they're dwarfs, so they're really tiny. And anyways, I don't know. But when they were born, and they were just so little and so cute, and now they're grown up and they're fine, but not quite as cute as when they were babies. Like, why, babies always get the cool... I mean, it's so, it's fine when babies have big old fat Michelin rolls, you know? But like, if I have them and I'm like, hey guys, check this out. And you're all like, no. But when it's a baby, I would like lift up Samaria's skirt sometimes with her little like um, diaper and be like, look at her rolls. And they're so cute. Babies can get away with anything. Anything. Um, Also puppies, people show all this grace when they bring in a kitten or a puppy and let it like chew up everything and like, oh, they'll outgrow it and it's fine. But like if a grown-up dog does it, it's like, well, we got to get rid of it. Or there just seems to be so much more grace for little than there is for big, but grown-up anyways. Um, So we're coming back to spring, the things that we love about spring. Um, I have a couple verses on on some yellow paper. And so... Thank you, Jennifer. I appreciate it. We're going to start passing those out. And if you have a pen, go ahead and grab it really quick. And if you don't, borrow your friends or the person sitting next to you. Or Katherine Johnson is always prepared, so she probably has some extra ones. Like, um. <laughs> and as Jennifer's passing that out, I'm seriously so excited about this because... This passage, Isaiah 35, is amazing. And if you haven't read it before, it's going to blow your socks off. On Isaiah 30, like homework, but like not kidding. I'm actually kidding. It's not homework. It's work right now that you're going to do. So on Isaiah 35, as you read through it, um, I'll read it out loud as well. Um, I want you to circle when we get to the, to the word will. So whenever you see will in Isaiah 35... Just circle it. Isaiah 35, the wilderness and the desert will be glad. And the Araba will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will blossom profusely and rejoice with rejoicing and shout of joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The majesty of Carmel and Sharon, they will see the glory of God, the majesty of our God. Encourage the exhausted and strengthen the feeble. Say to those with anxious heart, take courage, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. The recomp, uh, what's that word, compense? Rec- Man, I am such a good reader, you guys. Of God will come, but he will save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened, and the ears of the deaf, deaf will be unstopped. And the lame will leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute will shout for joy. For waters will break forth in the wilderness, and the streams of Arabah. Did I say it right? Yeah, sure. The scorched land will become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals, its resting place. Grass becomes reeds and rushes. A highway will be there, a roadway, and it will be called the highway of holiness. The unclean will not travel on it, but it will be for him who walks that way. And fools will not wander on it. No lion will be there. 
nor any vicious beast go up on it. These will not be found there. But the redeemed will walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord will return, and come with joyful shouting to Zion, with everlasting joy upon their heads, they will find gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. Okay, so who's good with numbers and wants to tell me how many times the word will is in there? I don't have any prizes for this, so if that's your motivation, slow down. <laughs> 26. 26? Yeah? Anybody have a different number? Anybody want to go against the grain? 26 times. So in looking at that passage, in listening to that passage, in reading that passage, and in finding will in it 26 times, what, it, what does that mean to you? If you're comfortable to share. Invitation, no expectation. Mm-hmm. A promise. It's definitely going to happen. Pardon? I guarantee. Ooh, I just got chilled on that one. I like it. I'm proud of that. I guarantee. It's really good. Ooh, right now isn't forever. I like that. I'm just going to look at you, Jennifer, and then you can, yeah, thanks. They can't always read lips with these bright lights. So don't talk about me um, from far away because since I am partially deaf, I can read lips. So if you say mean things about me and I can't hear you, it doesn't mean I can't read your lips. Like yesterday during the game, Sarah, somebody said one of the titles, I wasn't trying to eavesdrop and I was the writer and I didn't write down the answer because it was kind of cheating because I read her lips, that Battlefield song. I don't know it, but I just saw somebody say Battlefield and I was like, nope, not that's cheating, so I didn't do it. Aren't you proud of me? Because <laughs> I really like to win. So anyways, any other things that resonate or jump out from how many times God says will in this? This too shall pass. Mm-hmm. Inevitable. Mm-hmm. I like that word. Mm-hmm. Confidence in God. Mm-hmm. Definitely. For me, when I read that, I see a dad um, just like with power and passion and just like, I will. Like just passionately and wholeheartedly standing on my behalf. That's the picture that I get. Um, and a little bit of my winter with, with coming out of all the, you know, everybody has their own history and their own story and, and kind of where their hurts and pains come from. And, and Jennifer touched on a lot of that this morning, actually. And, and for me, a lot of my ideas and perceptions about God as a good father come from the dad that was in my life. And I'm sure I'm probably the only one. So just bear with me as I share a little bit about that. Um, for me... I grew up, uh, mom and dad, me, by myself, 10 years, um, 10 years being an only child, and then my sister came into the picture, and she's amazing. I love Jean Louise. Um, and my dad um, chose other women repeatedly, over and over. And there was a specific time when I was t- uh, 12, and my sister was two, and I overheard my parents arguing. And my mom gave an ultimatum, and she finally said, like, you can either choose her or choose us. 
And my, my dad just like froze and didn't make a decision and just kind of was like, well, you can't make me make a decision. And my mom said, then you've made it. You need to go. And in my mind, uh, somehow that deal was made with this lie that I will never be chosen, um, that I'm not good enough. And no matter how hard I try, I will fail. And um, I think that's part of the reason I cherish my husband so much. I still am in shock that I got to marry an amazing man of God. Like I'm literally, genuinely, truthfully like surprised on a daily basis because of what I saw growing up. Um, and that feeling of not being chosen doesn't go away. Uh, I've had some great counselors in my life <laughs> and some really great friends that have continually, and family members who have continually had to speak truth into my life to replace that lie with the truth. Like, you are enough and you are loved. And so for, for me, spring looks like watching my husband love my children. That my kids have a dad who adores them. My kids have a dad who put them first. My kids have a dad who say, I love you and I'm proud of you, even when they don't do anything. Um, they have a dad who's present. He is such a great picture of a heavenly father. And it is so wonderful to be in this season of spring where it's literal healing. I see healing in, in a generation. I see chains breaking and healing. And this dad saying, I will. This dad saying, I guarantee it. That is your heavenly father, ladies, women. That is our dad saying, I will. I guarantee it. Those flowers will bloom. And you know what? There was this show that I was watching and it takes place in the olden days, like way olden days. And they do this thing, um, this celebration called Winter's Eve. So it'd be kind of like a Bloomsday um, where it's still winter and then all of a sudden you see this like beautiful flower like growing up through snow, which is weird and beautiful. And whoever finds it um, tells everybody like, it's the first bloom, it's the first bloom. And then they get all excited and then they have this big giant party. And there's a conversation in the show that I was watching where the girl is like all excited and the guy is like, well, I mean, winter's not over yet. And she said, but there is hope. Spring is coming. And I feel like that's, if there's one word for me that I can associate with, with spring as a season of the soul, is it's hope. And for some of you, you're in full-blown spring right now, which I feel like I am like, whoa! Like, I just want to wear yellow and teal all the time because they're really happy, bright colors. And I want to paint everything yellow in my house. And my husband's like, slow down, turbo. <laughs> but that's the great thing about thrift store finds. When you spend $3.80 on a gun rack and you turn it into like a little shelf thing and paint it bright yellow. I mean, that's great, right? Like less than 10 bucks and I get yellow right by my front door. It's kind of fantastical. Okay, so now we're going to go to Exodus. Six, five through nine. Furthermore, I have heard the groaning of the sons of Israel because the Egyptians are holding them in bondage. And I have remembered my covenant. 
Say therefore to the sons of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from their bondage. I will also redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. Then I will take you for my people, and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you to the land which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. So Moses spoke thus to the sons of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses on account of their despondency and cruel bondage. How many times? I will, I will. I am the Lord your God who brought you out. And he's just reminding, and it's like another opportunity for him to give some more cherry blossoms to the the Israelites. Like, I've done it, I'll do it again. Because you hopefully have your pain close by. All around, hope is springing up from this old ground. Out of chaos, life is being found in you. I want to give you an opportunity for a couple minutes um, to write on this. Where do you see hope springing up? Where do you see spring in your life right now? No matter what your current season is, there are buds blossoming. And there are promises from your Heavenly Father who says, I will. I guarantee it. So I just want to give you a minute to just... Maybe write some of those things that you see in your life. And if you can't believe it for you, I challenge you, I ask you, I beg you to ask somebody who you trust and who you love to say, I can't see it. Where is it? And let them believe for you. And let them see spring for you. And maybe that's not something that can happen right here, right now, but it would be good in the future. Spring springs upon us. And if you're in it, soak it up. And when those times of frost come, it's okay. You're okay. Your dad is with you. And he guarantees it. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He's with you. I love this quote from Robert Orban. And he says, Spring is God's way of saying one more time. One more time, ladies. One more time. And so I just want to pray a blessing over you of the ability to see the buds blossoming in your life right here, right now. And for any of us that cannot see, God, would you bring truth into our life, people who we love and trust into our life to speak that truth and to show us and to open our eyes to see where those buds are blossoming, Lord. Thank you for your goodness, how much you love us, and that we are redeemed because we are your daughters. You can take a pile of ashes and make them beautiful. And we thank you for that, and we praise you for that, God. One more time. Amen.